Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash nfl. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Watson. Hmm. Survival doing, Monday. Just trying to survive. Yeah. Do I sound like I have a cold? Yeah, a lot. That's not great for the no. listeners. I'm going to need you to do this entire show facing the wall. All right. So that the chances of you infecting me a week before the Super Bowl are minimal. I don't want to breathe on you. No. I have a week to recover here. Right. I got this. You, you've got some time, but you infecting me now would be bad. I don't want to deal with it. I would already be sitting in a chair over there, but I need to be on camera so I can display my proper cloth shirt. Otherwise, frankly, I wouldn't even be risking that to be sitting miles away from you. You have jeopardized this entire enterprise by not wearing your hospital mask over your face. I was thinking about it. It might be tough to podcast like that. I don't think it would be. Those things are designed. Doctors talk through them. Oh, then I should have. That's how it works. And I should have brought my mask. Yes. Yes, you should have. Anyway, let's get into all of the action. And then get the hell out of here so that I'm exposed to plague. We're going to keep it tight. You guys saw the games. Let's go through the two games from yesterday. We got a big week. Now, here's, here's what we have coming up. Thursday, we don't have any games to preview. Excellent. We're going to get into some offseason stuff. Maybe some draft-related content, some free agent content. You're not previewing the Pro Bowl? Get on the news. Oh, yeah, we should have a Pro Bowl matchups to watch preview. Let us know what you guys want to hear in some of our off-season stuff. Next week, we're going to Miami. Yeah. 
we're on to Miami. So we're going to have all sorts of great content over at PFF.com. Where are we staying? Podcast. Airbnb? Yeah, there's going to be like a like live. A PFF house. Yeah, there's going to be like a live feed set up for the four days that we're there. Live on Twitch? Four days of us? Yes. Sweet. That's what we need. Let's get that going. Live on Twitch from, uh, from Miami. PFF Miami. 2020. Also, we've got maybe the best sale of the year at PFF.com. The draft guide is out today. Yes. For Edge and Elite users. And you can get 30% off your annual subscriptions by using PFF30, the promo code. PFF30, you get 30% off all of your annual subscriptions. So if you sign up today, you've got it through next year in essentially conference championship where you can get all the goodies. Yeah, you get the entire season of premium stats, all the green line stuff. You get obviously the draft guy that's come that's already out. You get the free agent goodies that are coming out. You get all kinds of good stuff. So yeah, yeah, sign up. So check PFF it out. PFF.com. Promo code's PFF30. Uh, don't know how long we're going to be running this, but go get there right now. The draft guide looks really slick. We started that four that or five years nice. ago. Um, I was involved in the first creation of it. It has come a long way now that I'm no longer involved in the creation of right. it. Right. I don't want to draw any connection between those two things, but those are true statements. Look, a good, a good manager knows when to move on and let the next guy come in and, and make things better. Uh-huh. So that's what we've done. You're still talking in this direction an Sorry. awful lot. I would face the wall. AFC Championship, Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs. There we go. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this one, Sam? I thought this was a good game. Um, I, Tennessee did, they did their best attempt to repeat what they did a week ago, which is A, shock everybody, and B, put the, you know, the opponent in a tough spot. They got out to an early lead. They then started to play that you know, ball control, grind the clock out kind of game to maintain it. The problem is that whilst getting out to that lead and putting the Ravens in a hole early is exactly the way to screw up that offense, and therefore it worked, doing the same thing for the Chiefs, if anything, puts them in their comfort zone, not out of it. And ultimately, it was just a matter of time before the Chiefs offense was able to rack up some points. And then the real key to the game came later on, which was once the Chiefs got the lead back, now their defense was able to get a couple of stops on that Titans offense. It wasn't able to live with the shootout that this game turned into. Yeah, I think a lot of times we talk about when you have an explosive offense, how much pressure that puts on your defense to make a stop. But how much pressure does it put on the Tennessee offense? They had their quintessential 15-play, 75-yard drive. (laughs) I mean, that was it, right? At the end of the second, in the second quarter, and it's like, that's what you need to do. You got to sit on the ball. You got to limit possessions and all that stuff. And I half jokingly tweeted, hey, the you know, Chiefs are going to do their patented one minute drive. It was about two minutes. Yeah. Right. They just pushed the ball down the field. Key third down after key third down. Mahomes was just brilliant in this entire game. Much like the previous week, the only thing that stops the Chiefs offense was third down drops. Yeah. So multiple third downs where they throw the ball beyond the sticks and it gets dropped. Mahomes did a great job because the Titans. The Titans game plan was fine defensively. Yeah. I thought I thought Romo and the broadcast crew did a really nice job of showing the man coverage looks. They were doing all they could to fool Mahomes. And we're talking man coverage looks. The details that Tennessee had was just fantastic. Everybody's lined up on a man. The linebackers were perfectly lined up over the running back. It is as man coverage look as you get. It looks like cover one. And that's kind of been the strategy against Mahomes, right? Play cover one, double the top guys. Hope you can contain him in the pocket. That's been the blueprint, right? But you can't do it every time. The blueprint doesn't always work. But then they would pivot to zone, play more cover two, 
Mahomes would recognize it right away, know when to take off and use his legs. And to me, that's been the trump card for Mahomes this year. Because you have so many playmakers to cover down the field. You've got Tyreek Hill down the field. You have Travis Kelsey. Mahomes can make any throw from anywhere on the field. And then, oh, by the way, if you play man or if you drop your zones too deep, he's going to pick up 10, 15, 20, maybe 27 yards spinning through your defense with his legs. It's just an added wrinkle that the Chiefs have now that they didn't even tap into last year. Mahomes didn't tap into his athleticism a ton last year, and he has this year when he's been healthy. Yeah, I think ultimately this was a game where the ball control, it's, it was a complete clash of two styles, right? The Titans helped by the fact that they got out to an early lead, wanted to basically slow play this whole thing, chew time off the clock, shorten the game, minimize the actual chance of the Chiefs having the ball and being able to put up points. And then every time they went on one of these giant long drives to, to put up some points, he was just answered like immediately with speed. Yeah, the and, most important thing for the Titans, and we said this the other day, was just to score, right? They can't get into their like deflate the ball, sit on it right. style until it was really late in the game. You can't do that in the second quarter against the Chiefs. I mean, you can. It's just it's I not going to work. Look, if you're going to score a touchdown, I'd rather spend 15 plays and 75 yards. Well, this is the thing, right? So, I, so one of the things that we've speculated before is that if you're able to execute those kind of drives, it has some kind of demoralizing effect on one of these quick strike offenses, right? This idea that wow, we're just—it's frustrating. We're never on the field. We don't get a chance to go out there. And if we don't actually answer, you know, if we do have one of those drives where we crap out, and you know, if we have a three and out or whatever, because sometimes that happens, it just gets frustrating because now they get the ball for another ten minutes, and we're sitting here just getting more and more annoyed on the sideline. I think though that the reverse. Um, has the same kind of effect. So you have this long, painstaking 15-play drive to go the length of the field and score. It takes you know, 10, 15 minutes off the clock, and then they answer in four plays in a heartbeat. It's like, oh, now we got to go out there and do it again. Yeah. Like This was not easy you know, when you have to execute those long-winded drives and they get the ball and it's just immediate answers. I think that must be really frustrating for that side as well. So it's all about how those things break. And those kind of drives only work if your defense can steal a possession somewhere, right? And when the Chiefs try and answer, instead they do go three and out or they do have uh, a failed drive in there somewhere and you get the ball back and you're able to grind on them a little bit more, but they weren't able to. So every, you know, they, they got that early lead, but from that point on, the Chiefs were just scoring. And at that point, all of the clock grinding and, you know, painstaking drives in the world, it's just not going to matter because you can't live with the speed and the play calling they have. Yeah, and the Chiefs are scoring with, again, different styles. I mean, they can they could do it any which way. Yesterday's a Sammy Watkins game. And what a back-breaking third down for the Titans. Third and eight, whatever it was, when Mahomes, you know, yeah. scrambles around. That was hits, a huge play in the game. Yeah, hits Sammy Watkins behind the defense for a 60-yarder. Mahomes was just brilliant on third down. There were so many third and twos, third and threes, where he just took the easy thing. You know, this is this was 2018 Mahomes because all we said this year was that he had regressed a little bit as far as he had like 4% more negatively graded throws this year. He was just missing more throws than he missed a year ago. And I always say the most impressive thing about his MVP season wasn't the highlight reel, the fact that he was second lowest in the NFL in negatively graded throws. He just didn't miss. This year he missed a little bit more. This offense was so explosive and it could have been better if Mahomes, whether it's because he was banged up or whatever, he just missed a few more throws this year. In this game, he didn't. He did. He took the easy stuff. He found holes in zones. If they played man, he threw the ball up and away from coverage. 
threw the ball down the field when he needed to, three completions at 20-plus yards, plus all those runs scrambling. Yeah. This was a complete game and one of the best playoff games we've ever graded. Yeah, and this, you know, when he's playing this well and the rest of that offense are all there and healthy, the Chiefs offense is back to as good as it was a year ago. It's terrifying. I don't know how you stop it. I don't know that you can stop it. All these things are true a year ago, and yet they fell one step shorter than they did this year. And the difference is the defense, right? The offense has got back to where it was a season ago, which is spectacular. But last season, their defense was so bad that it didn't matter because any opposing offense could essentially keep pace in a shootout because they couldn't stop anybody. This season, A, they're playing better, but the scheme is so much better as well. And they're, you know, they're, they're dialing up different things than they did a year ago. Last year, the game plan was essentially, we play man coverage, right. and if you can beat man coverage, we're screwed because we don't have plan B. This season, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Like in that game, they broke out, you know, this is the Titans. It's third and short. It's Derrick Henry time, right? But it's in midfield. We can't sell out to stop that because then we open up, we basically give them a deep touchdown if they want it. Nah, to hell with it. They went and lined up with goal line defense to stop third and short because every, we knew that the Titans were going to roll hit Henry right up the middle. But they also took away every gap for the QB sneak as well. Right. Dan Hill will sneak. They, 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 they knew every gap. that Tennessee, all they were going to do is try and grind that third and short out with the way they normally do. So they literally sold out to stop that. Now, you can say like, they basically dared Tennessee. All right, if you actually want to pick this up, you're going to have to do it through the air and over the top because we're taking away everything underneath. And it worked because the Titans either didn't have the guts to do that or didn't want to believe they could get it done anyway. But these are things that they weren't doing a year ago. Right. Last year, they would have just rolled in with the normal defense and effectively sacrificed the third and short for the overall integrity of playing man coverage every single play. This season, they're willing to, on a game-to-game basis and on a play-to-play basis, change up what they're doing on defense to stop what you want to do. And that, that steals them drives and changes the complexion of the game. The Chiefs have crept back to an average defensively. Yeah. That's all they needed to do, was not get torched. And, you know, on the other side, Tannehill, I thought he was off to a good start. I thought Arthur Smith called a good game, and they did a nice job, right? Moving the ball yeah, in, the the first, in the first half. Some play action. Wheel routes were open. Dig routes were open. They had some stuff going. Tannehill eventually settled back into... Older Tannehill, right? Just holding the ball a tick too long. Ball wasn't coming out of his hand. Great. So we spend the entire regular season waiting for the wheels to fall off, and they didn't. Then they kind of did in the playoffs. They did. Two of his three worst games of the season right. came in the postseason. Uh, overall, for in the, the playoffs, Baltimore game, he made some nice throws. Here's a stat: but for didn't you. have to do much. Overall in the playoffs, twelve quarterbacks essentially with you know decent number of snaps. Uh, Tannehill was 11th, one spot ahead of Tom Brady. Well, there you go. For the worst graded quarterback in the postseason. What am I cutting off with that? It wasn't great. Out of 12? That's yeah. everybody. It's 12 teams. Oh. Carson Wentz with his five snaps, Taysom Hill, Marcus Mariota. Was Taysom Hill the best quarterback? No, third. <laughs> Mahomes. Go. Mahomes with like 7,000 times more snaps or passing snaps in Taysom Hill, still better. Yeah, so I think that was the big thing, right? You're trying to keep up with the Chiefs, and Tannehill didn't play at regular season 
Ted, yeah. Ted Hill. Level. That's the thing. He, I mean, this is kind of what everybody was saying with the whole Tannehill versus Derrick Henry deal is that the thing that changed with this team was not Derrick Henry suddenly realizing that he was a beast. It was Tannehill came in. Here's, and now instead of having a quarterback that was playing badly enough that you had to bench him, you had a quarterback that was playing, he was the best rated quarterback in PFF over the regular season, right? So when that guy was playing, suddenly Derrick Henry is an unstoppable beast and the offense generally is a wrecking machine. They roll into the playoffs with a giant amount of momentum. They take down two of the better teams in the AFC and then eventually they just run into an offense that they couldn't keep pace with. But the thing that changed there was Tannehill stopped playing at that level. And if he's not able to play at that level, Derrick Henry suddenly is stoppable. Right. And the offense generally is not as good. Is there going to be, I don't want to do this whole straw man argument thing. People are saying the Titans didn't get the ball to Derrick Henry enough. Mm. But I'm assuming somebody's going to say, well, the Titans got away from their game plan. They didn't give it to Derrick Henry enough. When he gets 20, we always see these stats. When when Derrick Henry gets 20, the Titans are undefeated and all this stuff. 20 carries, 100 yards, whatever it is. The phrase, that's their number, is starting to slip its way into parlance in a way that's making me sad. I know. That's their number. When Henry rushes for over 100 yards, they're undefeated. There's just no balance. There's people who truly don't understand game flow and how that number is achieved. Mm -hmm. And then the the snarky bunch in our little clicky group, which is getting too clicky, which everybody's like, you know, snarky anti-running back stuff. But here's the thing. The Chiefs score a touchdown to go to be to be uh, to go down three, 17 to 14. The ensuing drive for the Titans goes one yard run. Run for no gain screen. And that was like, all right, now you're going to punt it back to Mahomes with like four, three or four minutes left. And that was just asking to be down at the half. Yeah. Right. You went run, run, screen, run, run, pass is bad enough. The screen is okay. Like screen passes, like if they work, they're great. If they don't, it's like, man, you just did. You just didn't give yourself an option to even throw the ball beyond the sticks. I know every now and again, you have the perfect call, right? You throw the perfect screen. It's third and eight. It works. And we'll talk about the Niners running there. Yeah, I mean, look, run on third and so, eight, which was a great call and worked. But it just good, felt like you're giving up. You needed to go pedal to the metal. You need to play a shootout game. The Niners are a great Mahomes. example, right? The Titans were effectively, they were in a, from a game flow situation, they were exactly where they would want to be for basically the entirety of the first half. Agreed? Yeah. They were up for almost the entire half. They gave it away late to the Mahomes scramble, blah, blah, blah. But for the entire first half, they were playing what they would want their offense to look like. Derrick Henry had 16 attempts for 62 yards, right? By comparison, Raheem Mostert of the 49ers had 14 attempts, but 160 yards. So Derrick Henry had a chance to be Derrick Henry for the first half of this game before the game flow took them out of that kind of offense and they had to pass more and they weren't able to get that done either, right? Right. But if your idea of this game was... They just didn't run Henry enough. They did. The first half, he had 16 carries and he got 60 yards. The 49ers had less carries, or most of it had less carries, but had 100 additional yardage. If Henry had been the player he was for the first couple of weeks, they would have, he would have had way more yardage. They wouldn't have had to go away because they would have been able to do that. And Tennessee kind of blocked it up and, pretty well. Right. But this basically just shows like Henry didn't become somebody else in the last week. He's still Derrick Henry. But when other things happen, like, you know, when the, when the defense sells out to stop the run, they're going to stop the run. He only forced one missed tackle, two yards after contact, 
per rush after going at what four to five yards after contact yeah. per rush. So things have things have things changed uh, just a little bit with Henry in this game. He ends up with nineteen carries for. 69 yards. They did not get to their magic number. They didn't get to 100. 100 yards. Had they been able to you know, get Derrick Henry to 100, obviously they would have won the game. Here's the other thing, right? For all the talk about super, you know, King Henry and all that stuff, the Titans gave up 25 points in their first two playoff games. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily because they sat on the ball and the Ravens had 17 fewer possessions or anything like that. No, they just made a, a ton of of key stops against the Ravens and the Patriots, gave up 25 points in two games. This week, they gave up 35. Yeah, look, there's something to the idea that if you're able to dominate somebody up front and run the ball at will, it's a hugely impressive and uh, important thing. We'll, and we'll talk get about to the that. Niners in right. a second, right? In the next game, that shows exactly that. But the, 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 the whole debate around this is centered around what is predictive, what is repeatable, and what is um, what you should be aiming to do because of the first two, right? Yeah. Our point the whole way along is for as spectacular as Derrick Henry has been over this stretch, it's not repeatable or sustainable long term. And because of that, it's not it, it's and the reason for those things is because it's not Derrick Henry that's driving this. It's the fact that you change to a quarterback that suddenly scares the crap out of defenses because of what he can do in the passing game, it's because the offensive line is blowing people off the ball in a way that they weren't earlier in the season. And therefore Derrick Henry has a platform to be able to run the straight line for 10 yards, pick up eight yards after contact because he hasn't had to change his route from the moment he got the ball. Now the whole point is sooner or later, somebody's going to come along and they're not going to dominate the trenches and Tannehill might not be playing at an all pro level anymore. Now, what are you going to do? And the history over the last few years from Todd Gurley to Zeke Elliott to Le'Veon Bell to Melvin Gordon simply says that when those things go away, the running back stops being Superman and goes back to being just another back. Right. That happened with Henry in the worst possible time. Yeah, I think that about sums it up. It was tough for Tennessee to just keep up with the firepower in Kansas City. Kansas City's D it was an okay game. You know, they did what they could to to stop Henry. They didn't let him run through him, through them. Um, I think they, they've typified exactly what we talked about all last season them needing to do, right? They haven't become good necessarily, but they've become A, average, and B, it's all about timing. You don't need to be able to stop every single drive. With your offense, all you need to do is to buy them a couple here and there, right? So you can have like five plays in the game where you show up. That's all you need because that suddenly turns into two blown drives, and now your offense got two more possessions they weren't expecting to have. And now you're unstoppable because right. you don't get stopped on the other side. Last season, the problem is they just weren't stopping anybody ever. So you never got those free possessions and the offense needed to effectively be perfect. Otherwise, it was a shootout. Now that defense is able to stop people, not all the time, but enough to buy them possessions. Tyron Matthew, another fantastic game for him. Now up to nine pass breakups, four interceptions on the season. Love watching him play, flying around the field. And then just to wrap things up on Mahomes, you know, uh, five throwaways. You take those out, he's 23 for 29. And then a couple drop passes. I mean, he was on target on almost everything, almost every (laughs) pass. Handful of misses, got hit while hitting the throwing motion once. And again, it was this combination of inside structure, outside structure, buying time, down the field, short, intermediate, and scrambling. You know, and it was... 
I, I think this might be as as brilliant as he's been for two years. Might be the best two game stretch of his career as far as just playing football. You know, doesn't have the he's had a six touchdown game. He's got six touchdowns in the last two games. I think right. He's had a six touchdown game. He's had better two game statistical outings, but these last two games is fear as far as just not missing throws, hitting what he needs to hit, adding value, all that stuff. I think Mahomes has just been it's probably the best. Yeah, and I'm really it's a it's good for him to be in a Super Bowl, and B it's great for Andy Reid to be there as well because the offensive scheme is the other element to all this. That as well as Mahomes is playing. Look at the free plays they're still dialing up, you know, the speed motions to Tyreek Hill and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, his stats did get a nice free touchdown on the tap pass. It was offset right. by the But they are they're still the manufacturing these cheap, free, easy plays, and that's a huge part of it. For as good as your quarterback is, if you can then add value on top of that and give him some free bonus plays, like you're just it's it's all gravy. And Andy Reid now goes back to a Super Bowl. Why do you think shot to win one? Why do you think Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback? Why'd you say that? Mm, I don't think that's what I said. Let's give some credit to the offensive line. Mitchell Schwartz, 94.5 grade that you can go check out with your PFF 30 promo code, 30% off your annual subscription. It's all part of PFF Elite Premium Stats 2.0. 94.5? That's insane. Yeah, perfect pass blocking from... 40-something snaps, pass protecting. Dominant run blocking grade. So Mitchell Schwartz was excellent. Eric Fisher was excellent at left tackle. This is after, this is a week after essentially having to play an entire half plus three quarters essentially of hurry up two minute offense against J.J. Watt and shutting him down. That's, talk about Patrick Mahomes' two game stretch. That's a pretty absurd two game stretch for Mitchell Schwartz. This should be an awesome battle with this Chiefs offense against the 49ers defense. Anything else to wrap up? This game for you? No, I think ultimately Tennessee gave a really good account of themselves, but they just ran again, ran into a better team that were able to overcome it. They were my 96 Jags. Mm. Ran out of gas in the AFC championship. That's it. That's yeah, I mean, I, this looked like a game that Kansas City should win handily. I'm just happy that the Tennessee Titans at least gave a good account of themselves early, put it up to them, made made the Chiefs earn it, essentially. They didn't, they didn't roll over. They didn't let the Chiefs just crush them from the outset. They did exactly what you would have expect would have wanted them to do if they were going to have a shot of winning this game, and ultimately it just still wasn't enough. I was I was impressed with their run. I mean, they were fantastic. Yeah. Um, just to piggyback on stuff the PFF forecast guys say, you know, they're they're very forward in their theories, and they've come out and said, "Hey, defense doesn't matter," which is their way of getting attention to say, when you see a great defensive performance, a lot of times it's just the offense is poor. On the other side of that, when a defense is playing great, sometimes they just didn't run into a good offense. Nothing exemplifies that more than Tremaine Brock's little run here, you where he was fantastic on Tremaine Brock's name. He was fantastic for a few weeks, right? He graded well against New England, gave up two two catches on ten targets, graded well against Baltimore, and he has a thirty nine point nine grade, thirty six in coverage. Didn't give up a ton statistically, but two penalties in there. It's just one of those things where it's like. It's dictated by the fact that you have to cover these Chiefs receivers and you're going, going up against Patrick Mahomes. And that was the entire Tennessee secondary. They had graded well until they ran into the Chiefs. And other than Adoree Jackson, Vaccaro, Byard, Brock, Logan Ryan, all with poor grades going up against these Chiefs. All right, let's go to the NFC game. Domination mm. by the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, this was a disappointing game. Um, probably inevitable. 
but disappointing nonetheless. I think ultimately everything we knew about the 49ers held true and what we thought we knew about Green Bay just got beat. The yep. big thing was their defense. Green Bay's defense has been the better side of the ball for them all season long. You know, as much as we think Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers are the two synonymous things and that's what, you know, they go as far as he takes them really hasn't been the case this year. They've gone because that defense has crushed people. Um, you think of the Vikings game, they just rolled up there and absolutely annihilated Kirk Cousins. Um, they, their defense has done a really good job and they got absolutely wrecked by the 49ers ground attack in particular. And that essentially took away the single biggest problem for the 49ers on offense, which is Jimmy G's propensity to occasionally throw the ball straight to linebackers. It's like, all right, well, the easy way of solving that is if we dominate the ground so thoroughly that you never have to put the ball in the air, which is effectively what happened in the game as well. So yeah, that, that essentially just the game was won at that in, in that area. And then you flip sides and the 49ers pass rush is still nasty. Rogers just couldn't get it done all by himself. Even against an eight man box, the 49ers went 0.2 EPA per play, which people don't know what that means right off the top of their head. Mm. But for most rushing attacks, average negative expected points added per play. And the Niners went out there, average 0.2. So that's every run, you know, how much closer are you to scoring versus moving away from scoring? Positive's good. 0.2 is crazy for any rushing attack, it's really good for a rushing attack. That's what they did against an eight-man box over 100 yards just doing that. So even when the Packers were stacking the box to stop the run, didn't matter. And the thing is, so Green Bay's defense has been really good at getting upfield, right? They win by effectively dominating right away at the line, getting into the backfield, and screwing with your blocking, right? Because you can't, you can't, ex, you can't execute a standard block once your guy is a yard further into the backfield than he's supposed to be. It just messes everything up. So the, and the 49ers sort of combated that. And there were a couple of plays early where the Packers were like inches away from making the play. Yeah. But the problem is when you don't make the play, now there's a hole and that guy's gone. So they did it. Um, I think it was Mostert's first touchdown run. Um, there was a guy in, you know, in the backfield inches away from making that play. I got like an arm on him. Couldn't tackle him. Only now that guy's just opened up a giant hole and there's clear running into the secondary and we've got a touchdown in their hands. And there were a few plays early where that was the case. And you remember the way very early in his career, teams used to just run trap blocks all day against Sandamak and Sue. Because yeah. all he was doing was shooting upfield, right? Yep. And it's like, okay, if, if we run the ball right at you, that's a problem. On the other hand, if we let you do that and then just blast you in the side from a guard, you're screwed. Um, and People have criticized Donald, Aaron Donald for that as well at times. That is, the 49ers essentially modified their game a little bit to run a bunch of that stuff and take advantage of the fact that the Packers wanted to fly upfield and they were just inches away from making a play a few times, but A, they didn't. B, when they didn't, big plays happened, and C, at that point, it was just like the floodgates opened and they just dominated. Yeah, a lot of discussion about this too. Hey, the run game won, and you know we were joking back, remember when the Niners destroyed the Browns, and it was like, 10 yards per carry until they started to run the clock out later in the game. It's like, if you can run for seven, eight or nine yards per carry, mm-hmm. then that's the right strategy. I think part of the discussion is, is chasing that. Sometimes the teams that are chasing that the way the Seahawks play run, run, pass, run, run, pass. They're chasing this 
you know, we'd love to run for six yards. Everybody wants to run for six yards of carry. But the problem is when you're not being able to pivot out of that. If you are, and the way the Niners run their scheme, Debo Samuel had 40 yards on two carries, too, because of the jet stuff and the uh, end around uh, stuff. The Niners continue to, even when there's an eight-man box, move one guy out, right? It's all about earning the numbers advantage in the box, and nobody schemes that up quite like the Ravens and then Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. And it's it's like the discussion we just had about the, the Titans, right? It's The key is how sustainable and how repeatable is it? Um, so the reason everybody says passing over or all the analytics is says passing is more important than rushing and all this kind of stuff is because it's more, it's easier to repeat that kind of success than it is this kind of rushing success. Because most of the time you can neutralize even the most potent of ground attacks by things like the box count, right? Essentially, you just stick an extra man in the box. Suddenly the run game is dead because it's all about the, the numbers game. It's all about just having bodies at the line of scrimmage to take away space and and screw it up the 49ers it didn't matter like Packers came down with those eight guys in the box and the 49ers still blew them off the ball so they win right but you look long term and you go okay how repeatable is that and long term the answer is usually not very that's not to say you can't have teams buck that trend obviously the Ravens the Ravens change the story a little bit because of what Lamar Jackson can do and what he adds to the ground game it's it's different than a normal rushing attack. The 49ers is more conventional, um, but they're now really, really good at it. See, so I, they're, I would like, say they're an outlier. It depends on what you're defining as success. I would say, I would say if you gave a Shanahan, Kubiak team, they've just got this track record of having good rushing teams. If the goal is to have a good rushing team, I think that is sustainable. I think that they, if they're involved you could feel pretty good that you're going to have one of the better, more efficient rushing teams in the NFL. I think the question is, can you sustain scoring a lot of points? Because it goes back to the Titans earlier where they they ran Derrick Henry, Henry like crazy against the Patriots and scored 14 offensively, ran Henry like crazy against Baltimore. They were up 14 nothing, kind of without Henry, and they really only tacked on 14. After that, you can pound the rock like crazy and have a ton of success and not have much to show for it, so, so then you're reliant on your past, your past defense, right? You're essentially reliant on your defense. And the, the team that runs the ball and plays defense, the defensive component is what's crucial. And, of course, the Niners, other than a couple late touchdowns, were shutting down the Packers again. Yeah, but the other thing is, um, basically, if you're sufficiently good at anything, that's the thing you should be doing, right? Yes. Yeah, so, like, oh, absolutely. The thing, absolutely. Uh, these are all abstracts, the idea of wh- whether you should be trying to pass the ball more than run the ball. If you can run the ball as successfully as the 49ers did this week, then of course that's the right game plan. Don't pass ever, because why would you? Um, Similarly, if you can't be stopped through the air, but you can't run the ball for anything, then just keep doing that. Um, The the issue is, if you're trying to look at what you should be attempting to build, it's easier to build a better passing attack than it is a better rushing attack, because when you think about it, one blown block along a run play can kill it immediately, right? Right. You can have everybody execute their job. The right guard gets boned and suddenly it's a five yard loss in the backfield and almost everybody did their job right. Right. The pass game, almost everybody can get killed and two guys connect and it doesn't matter. Like you can have your offensive line, you know, there are degrees to this, but your offensive line can effectively be a sieve. You have one viable receiver 
but you've got a quarterback and a wide receiver connect and that's a 50 yard play. Like a, it's a bigger play most of the time than the run game, but B it required less people playing yeah. well to make it happen. Yeah. It's kind of like, so th- there's all these run, running games where it's like the run game absolutely dominated. Let's say that happens in 10% of the games. That's a low percentage. So if you're chasing that top 10%, if you're a pass heavy attack, your worst game more often than not is going to be better than your than your good rushing games. That's that's kind of the uh, it just it, the it, main point. And you and and look, ultimately football is keeping teams off balance. We gave the Bills a ton of credit for having Josh Allen, a bottom third quarterback by our grades, and putting him into uh, a pass heavy attack to take advantage of early down passing opportunities, right? Yeah, and just finding those edges. You do have to just continue to find those edges for the Niners. Some of their edges are involved in the run game because they're scheme diverse now. It's outside zone, it's inside zone, it's power counter, it's jet stuff, it's end around stuff. They do a great job. Plus, I'll tell you what, as my theories evolve, give me more speed backs like Raheem Mostert. Yes. Give me more speed backs because if the goal, if you were saying you block it up mm-hmm. really well and then it's on the running back, yeah. I love guys that can force missed tackles and all that stuff, but man. I don't. I, I got to go back and watch him at Purdue because I don't know if he's just completely improved and has a feel. But he just is so smooth as a runner, and his acceleration is spectacular. Well, if you lo- do give yeah. him a little bit, it turns into fifteen, twenty, or he's just breaking away from the D. That's the thing. Logically, it makes sense, right? If you're able to actually create a crease, you want a guy that can hit that fast and get past other angles into the secondary and make some plays. So honestly, that's why Derrick Henry has been a particularly effective running back this year because in a straight line. He's actually really fast. Yeah. Like he's 250 pounds, but he runs what? Like a four five. Oh yeah, he's fast. And he runs a four five, which for that size is absurdly quick. And B, like he doesn't slow down through an arm tackle the way some of these other guys do. Right. So you might have a running back that runs a four three, but if you get a defensive tackle, gets a solid arm on him, it's slowing him down to a four five. Whereas Henry is trucking straight through that arm without breaking stride. It's not slowing him down at all. Well, that's like if you if you were debating between Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, I do think your system. If you are going to run the ball a little bit more, I'd probably lean Barkley because he'll ha- he has a ton of negative plays when the blocking's bad. But if you know that you can like at some point in Barkley's career, he's going to have this incredible offensive line and have a whole bunch of fifty. I mean, he's already had a whole bunch of fifty plus yard plays. But like if he was running in Shanahan's scheme with some of the creases that they have there, as long as he didn't do anything stupid behind the line of scrimmage, he might be averaging six yards a pop behind some of these guys. And versus like a McCaffrey, if you're going to be a pass heavy scheme and you want to create mismatches and like Barkley's good at that too, but McCaffrey's like a legitimate wide receiver. So, I mean, I think there's some debate there as far as like running back skill set stuff. The the point I wanted to make about the running game, just requiring too much to typically to to go right for it to be like a long-term option for most teams or the long-term option you should chase if you're most teams you remember all those videos of like Lombardi's Packers or Lombardi drawing up, you know, the, the sweep, sweep right? left on the board, yeah. you know, with like it, the whole thing is just, it's a patchwork of you go here, you come around like the whole thing, right? He's got every, this entire play only functions because every, because every single one of you guys executes your assignment correctly. Right. Yeah. And the reason they were so successful with it is because they basically just drill that until they could execute it a hundred percent every single time. And nobody else, like did enough to combat it. Just out execute. Right. They literally just out executed everybody. I don't know that you can do that anymore. Um, And I don't think it's necessarily sustainable, but basically all run plays operate 
via the same kind of principles, right? Every single one of you needs to make a block here. Otherwise, this thing doesn't work. Passing game, there's a lot more margin for error, right? It's like, all right, most of you need to kind of do your job and this thing can still function. And even if you don't, like if we have a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson or a Deshaun Watson back there or an Aaron Rodgers, like a lot of you can screw up and we can still make some hay out of this. Well, yeah, because a part of it is we always talk about, you know, quarterbacks and system can can control pressure rates, so to speak. Right. You can mitigate the average offensive line. If you have an average offensive line from a run blocking standpoint, you're going to get probably average results over time. If you have an average offensive line, the difference in your results will be, do I have Tom Brady or Drew Brees back there? Do I have a quick trigger back there, a guy that can get rid of it and receivers who can get open? Or do I have a guy that's going to hold the ball long and invite pressure? It's a, you, can, you can hide the offensive line a little bit more in the pass game, I would say. So we got a tweet before this podcast. I love the PFF pod. Thank um, you. Unfortunately, this is where it goes wrong. Hope today's just not 25 minutes on why the passing game is better than the running game. We get it. So, oh. oops. Uh, but we can, we can redeem ourselves here. Oh, uh, I want to say, there is not, let's talk about how awesome the run game is when it works well. It is fun to watch. Hashtag fun to watch. I love Shanahan's system. Mm-hmm. Mostert is just, I told you, he's like just smooth. It was strange. Acceleration's incredible. It was strange how surprised the broadcast appeared to be that yeah. Mostert is good. Also, how about their third and eight, like the play calling too. Third and eight, they run kind of like a power trap play to take advantage of the Packers getting upfield, as you said. Mostert's got a free run. Mostert was their best rated running back on the season. That was that play. Like if it fails, it's like, can you believe he dialed up a run on third and eight? But it worked. Yeah. He was was their best rated running back on the season. Their leading rusher on the season had the most uh, touchdowns on the season, the most yards after contact on the season and the best average. Why were they acting like, oh God, can you believe they're getting done with this guy? Coleman went down. How are they even generating anything with this Mostert dude? It's more for like the long-term storyline. Seven different teams cut oh, him. Yeah, but, but they were special team star. He was a special team star. They were dramatically overdoing the degree of surprise they should have had given how good he has been this season. Anyway, um, so this guy asks to redeem ourselves. Uh, despite basically telegraphing it and everybody knowing what they wanted to do, how were they still able to get that done? And I think we, we touched on it a little bit that they changed up what they do a little bit, right? They ran a lot more of those power trap plays, things that take advantage of the fact that the Packers defense wins by getting upfield in a hurry, which a let them take advantage of that rattle off big run games and put, you know, get them in a favorable position. But B, because they were having success at that, it meant that the Packers couldn't do what they do really well, which is rush the passer. I've, so I've gone into my uh, PFF ultimate powered by our friends over at AWS and basically breaking down. I've sorted run concepts into downhill runs mm-hmm. and outside runs. So a lot of times you sort it by gap and zone, right? Gap run is that's power when you've got a puller and counter when you have two pullers and then you have the outside zone where you're going to take it wide and cut it up. And then the inside zone where you're going to keep it a little bit tighter and generally stay in between the B gaps. But inside, if you put inside zone and kind of pair that with, uh, a power play, that's more of a downhill run for the running back, whereas outside zone and toss plays, more of an outside run. They were good on everything. you know. So when you talk about balance and versatility, I always say balances and run pass splits, it's being able to do everything in the pass game, throw short, intermediate, deep, 
in the run game, can you run downhill for six, 16 times for 98 yards for Raheem and three touchdowns? And then on the outside stuff, which is generally the staple, where did he go? Oh, I lost it for a uh-huh. second. It was 13 carries for 122. So incredible efficiency. And again, the old school Shanahan Kubiak scheme would have 80%, 90% of their runs straight outside zone relative concepts. Now it's this completely balanced um, matchup. And then in the run game, it's all about I've got four blockers against three guys on this side. I've got three blockers against four guys on that side. We're going to run to the side where we could get the extra blocker. And that's where Shanahan's always great. And then that's evolved through the years, right? How do you slow down the extra blocker? It used to be like the quarterback's going to boot out and you have to worry about the boots. You run because the play action coming off that. Then they added, you've got a fullback. You have a, you have an H back that can move and essentially steal gaps. Now it's the end around game and the jet sweep game with Debo Samuel. So if you don't have a favorable box count, you're running Debo on a little jet sweep that takes a guy just outside enough, essentially blocks him for free without actually having to execute a block, which is just good football and good scheming up. And you have one less guy to worry about in that area. So that's the Shanahan good running system in a nutshell. They've also started to develop some of these um, like crazy schemes to the point where the, the stuff in this playbook now that didn't exist years ago, you know, we talk about this Mike Shanahan, Kubiak system, Kyle has taken this thing a long way and you're seeing plays like drawn up uh, that have like combinations of outside zone power elements to them, like all kinds of crazy blocking schemes and defenses are taking a look at this stuff live as it happens and be like, what the hell is happening here? Like it's basic outside zone. I understand. I recognize immediately. I know where to flow to. This has got bits of all kinds of stuff in it. I don't know what the hell is going on here. And even, even just off the outside zone stuff, the play actions off that it used to be, okay, I'm going to go outside zone and then boot. And then now they'll fake the boot and throw a screen front side. So it's, it's, it's essentially every time the defense has an answer, you have to one up them with another answer. If, if, okay, let's overplay the boot. Okay. You want to do that? We're going to, we're going to screen it the other way. Or if you're going to, if you know that we're going to hit the crossers, we're going to do that little, the yoink play, right? The tight, you know, tight, uh, crosser and up or, you know, coast, uh, post corner type of, type of play. So there's just an answer to everything that teams have seen through the years. Let's discuss Rodgers on the other side. Ooh. Not a great game. He, he made a, a few throws down the stretch. Um, Kind of in garbage time. That was a dime over Sherman. Man mm. coverage. When people are like, it was against prevent. It was against man. Great throw. But before that, dropped snap. You've got multiple fumbles in the pocket that he should have been able to avoid. One was really late. One was early in the game when it's like, he's seeing this block. He's seeing it in front of him and still tries to throw it. Fumble. Uh, through the interception. And just, you know, missed a few throws yeah. on top of all that. It, this felt like Rogers just trying to do everything himself. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that was game flow. You know, you knew that your defense in this game was not stopping the 49ers at any point. It, you got down quite early. You got in a hole. Um, you know, stuff was just going wrong. Like muffed kicks as well. Like 
things were very early in this game. Things were going well away from the Packers in a hurry. And at that point, your only shot to come back is Rodgers being Rodgers, right? And being the guy he was a week ago, old Aaron Rodgers coming back. And I think he knew that. And it's like, look, if we're going to get anything going here, I need to have one of those games. And he just wasn't able to. Like, he, it just wasn't there for him today. Now, part of it was he didn't have as much help as he did a week ago. Like, their defense or their offensive line was getting beat. Like, when, you, when guys like David Bakhtiari who, you know, had a pretty good game when he's struggling to contain, you know, guys like Nick Bosa, just that collection of pass rushers they have. When they have all four of those guys healthy and on the field, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and D Ford, like they're a problem. Like the Packers have maybe the best offensive line in the NFL from a pass protection standpoint, and they were struggling to contain those guys. And every now and again, the problem is, so the 49ers have had those interior guys for years. But when one of them got pressure, the quarterback could make a guy miss, get out of there, and make a play. Now, when he avoids the first guy, the second guy's right behind him on his way. Like, those guys are all going to win, and they're going to win after a, after a degree of time. And avoiding the first one doesn't do you any good because it just puts you in a problem of, I need to avoid like four consecutive guys and get rid of it if I'm going to make anything happen. And that's asking a lot. Yeah, he's still kind of in this in this mode where he would rather... He'd rather drop his eyes and maneuver the rush rather than kind of like standing in there and making a throw. Maybe that's maybe that's been the big difference these last couple of years. And, and then the outside the pocket stuff hasn't always just been it just hasn't always been there when he's wanted it. Right. It's like Mahomes does that quite a bit, but he's you know, got a little bit more spring in his young legs and all that and uh, more arm talents these days. So, look, Rivers is certainly capable of making those special throws and everything. The big difference the last couple of years, we keep saying it's the schemed up stuff. It's the trust with his receivers. I wonder if this is the off season. I'm going to, my consistent theme this off season is going to be double up at wide receiver in the draft loaded receiver class. Can you mitigate all of your offensive concerns by getting two playmakers could be a tight end as well, but a speed receiver, a good route running receiver, a big bodied receiver, double up in the draft. Like if the Packers could hit on two receivers, which is a big if, you know, you need to hit on two, just one. But if you, but if, but if they did hit on two and combined it with Devontae Adams, forget. I mean, my point would be more that you need one. Like look at you look at an AJ Green, a Terry McLaurin. You, you get one of those guys, changes everything, right? Yeah. But you could also get a Nikhil Harry, right? Oh, I get. So well, take two of them. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Take two of them, and then even if you blow it on one of them, as long as one of them hits, you get a fifty percent as a number three or four gimmicky receiver that you could right. Get even if the even if one of them is a complete and total disaster, if you get one out of two to become a McLaren, an AJ Brown, a DK Metcalf, an impact rookie wide receiver, it changes they, the game. They tripled up a receiver three or two two years ago, whatever it was. They yeah. This is a. This is kind of their move, right? They drafted three corners one year, three receivers another year. All the receivers were more mid and late round picks, though. Yeah. This is a wide receiver heavy class. I think the Raiders need to extract some ag- aggressiveness out of Derek Carr. See uh, Tom Brady receivers. talking it up with Mark uh, Davis at I did. the maybe, UFC. Maybe Brady's going to go run the old West Coast system over there. Davis out there in that whole like white getup with that hair is just amazing. Like, why? <sighs> hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Raiders could double up. Like when Packers I, when, double when, up. I, when I can trash talk about your hair, it's bad. It's not good, yeah. Anyway, Rodgers wasn't great. 
also think maybe we've undersold the fact that he doesn't have a ton of help. He's got Jimmy Graham running those seam routes. I know one of them worked. <laughs> Jimmy Graham is and Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. They're big and slow. They are. They are. They're big and slow. Devontae Adams is awesome. But man, he could use some other playmakers over there. Old uh, like Sternberger. Richard Sherman taking sh- no, Darrell Rivas taking shots at Richard Sherman. A bit harsh. During the game? You made it you made an invite. I did. Right. Let's make a formal invitation because that's what we do here. We've invited the Tomahawk show mm-hmm. to have challenge a challenge rather than invite. That was a challenge. Yeah. But we invited him to Cincinnati uh-huh. for more than just hoops, you know. Okay. We could watch some film and you know, hang out at the PFF office, whatever. Play some hoops at the Cincy Y. Yeah. But I think you should make the official invitation. Well, here's so, you know, Revis. Revis is is the poster child for your corner, your top cornerback should track number one receivers at all times, right? And even Revis was an outlier in terms of most cornerbacks, that tra- even the ones that track number one receivers don't tend to follow them to the slot, right? Because it's, it's a different skill set. It's hard. So Revis was very, very unique in terms of, there are people that hate that, by the way. What? Very unique. Really? Unique means one of a kind. Something can't be very one of a kind. It can, you know, I don't it's hate either it. unique or it's not. I'm okay with you. Good. Okay. He was very, very unique um, in terms of being a guy that would not only track two varies is too much number one wide receivers, but would track them to the slot. Um, and then, so there were a bunch of people that are like, well, if, if you don't do that, you're not a good corner. I had an interesting conversation with a few cornerbacks, but with Richard Sherman, when I was writing an article about him, um, about that whole concept and obviously he's a guy that's only ever played sides essentially. And there are people out there that write him off because of that. But he made some points. It's like, look, depending on the coverage you're running, playing sides actually puts you playing more man coverage than a guy that's tracking somebody. Right. Why, see, I would say, why are you giving the answers? What? Save this for the debate. Well, I'm just saying, all right, fine. He has an argument that, that that's harsh. It's a yeah. harsh interpretation of how you should be looking at these things. So and, you've got, you've got Darrell Rivas who evidently believes that if you're not tracking number one receivers, are you even, co- are you even covering? And then you've got Sherman who's like, look, I play sides. It allows my defense to do other things and it's better for everybody. Also, Those two, neither one is the coach, whatever. Those two should be in a room in the PFF. Basically I said, look, I want to see a TV show where those two argue the merits over tracking versus on our TV playing show. size. And then I was like, screw it. As long as I'm asking for a TV show, we'll do, do it. it. We'll do it. Come down, Revis and Sherman, come down to PFF offices here in Cincy. We'll, Steve will even pick you up at the airport in the minivan. Um, we'll come down. We'll watch some tape. You two guys. They're all car seats. Nah. You two guys can talk out, you know, which is more important, tracking receivers or the integrity of your defense. So we do. We just invite we'll have a debate. here. We'll put it on camera. We'll all make millions. I mean, you guys have already been millions. We'll make millions. You lay us off some off more of millions. you guys. No, we just, we're well, going to we'll, give you a we'll platform. You, you, you guys can't find a platform. Anywhere. We're going to give you the platform right here in Cincinnati, at the PFF offices, Richard Sherman, Darrell Rivas in embracing debate about the merits of tracking, not tracking. Yeah. Also, it's funny because Rivas, Rivas is giving that whole like, draft take that we hate but like if you're if you ain't playing man you're not even playing hmm. like you're not a corner unless you're a man corner and we're always over here like talking about the merits of playing zone and well that's the other aspect understanding route concepts and all that stuff not to uh not to put spoilers on the old tv show that doesn't exist yet but 
Like nobody is playing man every play nope. anymore. Like maybe people used to, but now even the most man heavy teams in the NFL are barely over 50% man coverage. You need to be able to play zones. Everybody has to everybody. And so like you said even zone concepts have uh, locked sides sometimes. Yes. And yeah, yeah. So it's not as, it's not as simple as just man versus zone. A, everybody needs to be able to play zone and B a lot of zone, a lot of zone teams now, depending on the player, will use man coverage within them. And a lot of zone concepts have man coverage within them. So the whole thing is muddier than that. And that's why we need a TV show with those two people in the PFF offices. Consider the invitation official. Revis and Sherm won over here. Yeah. So that's it. Championship week. Done. In the books. We're yeah. wrapping it up. I can barely speak. Yeah. We need to get the hell out of here. You need to put on your hospital mask so you don't affect the rest of us. And you had a, are you recovered from your rough night? I don't know. I'm still not, it's still a little rough. Don't get into the details. It's it's a dilemma. Food poisoning, stuff wants to come out of both ends. Which end goes in the toilet? God, what a terrible Monday morning. (laughs) Both of us. That'll do it for us this week. We're going to be back Thursday doing something off season related, hitting up all the news and notes. It's a professional tease. It's such a tease. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. So you're going to have to find out what it is. Do we pimp our proper cloth shirts? Oh, I'm wearing proper cloth today. Same. As, as you are. Propercloth.com. Beautiful shirts. PFF. PFF 20 is your promo code. Get $20 off. And then you're going to go to PFF.com. Details in the comments and things. Details are in the comments. Go check out proper cloth. Go click on it. If you're watching YouTube yeah, right go now. There. Buy a shirt. This is my favorite one, too. Because you keep cold. saying that about all of them. This is really my favorite. It's okay. freezing outside, and this one's got like a, little, a little warmth to it. Yeah. So this is my favorite shirt okay. today. That's how you sell. All your proper cloth it's shirts always, are your favorite. It's always your favorite. Yeah. And it fits perfectly. Mm. It fits, look at this. My slender. I might need to drop a couple LBs before Miami, but <laughs> I'll be rocking proper cloth down there. Does the, uh, does the Airbnb have a gym? George Shirley would have seen oh, that. Oh, I'm assuming it was like first filter that he ticked right. on, on Airbnb. Does have weights. Is there a home gym yeah. there? And then uh, PFF30 is your 30% off PFF.com promo code. 30% off all your annual goodies. PFF products. We'll be back Thursday with must listen podcasting. You never know what we're going to talk about next. See you guys Thursday. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.